so then coming to Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 5, we'll read through fir- uh, verse 15, but we'll just be focused on the first half of verse 9. Uh, but Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, hear the word of God. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to, stand, to pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven... Let your name be kept holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now the scripture says, the grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord uh, is forever. We have it with us now. Well, in, in teaching us on prayer, uh, as Jesus begins to teach us on prayer, he starts with teaching us how not to pray, right? Showing us what it's not. Uh, not. But as he goes on, uh, he says, pray then like this. Um, and Jesus starts uh, with a certain understanding of who God is. He starts even with a statement of relationship uh, with him. He says, God as our Father in heaven is how we begin to address him. Uh, as, as our Father in heaven, uh, God is our originator. He's our controller. He's our provider. And it tells us of the relationship that then we have uh, in prayer. That it says, children... Speaking to their father. Um, it's, Jesus is, is calling us, inviting us into a childlike prayer, if you will. Now, because at this point, even in particular, uh, that some of us have difficulty um, of who God is or what kind of relationship that we could have with him, because uh, we can still be asking the questions, is God really there? Uh, or even if God uh, is there, does he really care about what's going on in my life? Uh, does he care enough about what I would say? Is he, is he able to do anything about it? And however much we might have, like, certain longings to be able to express ourselves uh, to, uh, to, to God or to someone beyond us, however much we might want to believe that that's true, I think in other senses the last thing that we want is to be naively dependent on some imaginary friend in the sky or imaginary father uh, in the sky, uh, if you want. Like, like childhood, childhood's great for a while, right? Like, childhood's great for a while, um, but, but eventually you grow up, and, and as you learn more about the world, uh, part of what happens is you, you realize the way the world works. Um, and increasingly more of just your hopes of how the world should be disappointed. More of your dreams uh, uh, end in disappointment. And so I think we have a real fear of entering into some kind of uh, a childhood naivety that could just end in more disappointment. I don't want to come to God with all these longings that I really have because it doesn't matter. I'm just talking to myself. 
Um, what, if, what if he doesn't care? There's no one to listen to. And I don't want to acknowledge that we have uh, those issues. I think a lot of us wrestle with that. Um, and right now, I'm not going to specifically try to argue that God exists or show you this kind of proof that, that, God, uh, that God cares. Jesus, Jesus starts there. He starts there assuming it. Wants to try to go there with him. But I, but I do want to challenge you in this way. Um, I still, even, even with all that, I want to challenge you to childlike prayer. Which means I want to challenge you to, with your doubts, whether he exists, whether he cares, with all your doubts, uh, with all your fears, still to call out that. Um, to, still, uh, to still call out, not, not just kind of pretending that you believe and hoping that this works because you're, you're trying hard enough, but to, but to call out honestly, God, if you're there, show me. If you really care about the things that are, that are going on in my life, let me see it. Uh, please, as my Father, show me. And, and I want to say I'm speaking to uh, non-believers and I'm speaking to believers as well. I think we often share a lot of the same uh, doubts, uh, same uh, fears and this kind of thing. Share doubts of if God cares for our lives. Uh, or we share doubts about whether God cares about the things that we're praying about. Is God really listening when I'm saying these things? And if I've prayed for this and I've prayed for this and I still haven't seen God do anything about it or the exact opposite of what I was hoping came true, I mean, God just doesn't really care about me. I struggle with that. I want to challenge you to, to childlike prayer. I think that's what Jesus invites us to. And as much as we fear the, the naivety that ends in disappointment, I want to remind you of some of the joys of, of childhood expectation. Um, childhood expectation, when you're excited on Christmas morning, and you walk out and there's presents and you get to open them. Um, childhood expectations of, of joy that are fulfilled. Um, I tell you, it's fun to get to be a dad. Um, those of you who met some of my kids, we have two girls, uh, six and four, and um, they're incredible, and they love me very well, and I love getting to have a relationship with them. One of, one of my favorite uh, things is getting to, getting to come home from uh, December staff training. REF does staff training a couple times a year. In the summer, I just drive up to Atlanta, and I come back, but in December, it's out in Texas, out in Dallas, Texas. So I always have to fly out there. And I fly back, and I uh, fly back to the airport, and Karen comes to pick me up with the kids. And I, I love the way that she's, she's done this, because you, know, you want to park, and everyone come in. I'll, I'll let her know, and I'm getting off the plane, and there, if you've been in the Tallahassee airport, small as it is, with this one like little hallway that you're, you're walking down into, uh, she'll have pulled up in the, in the car zone area and waiting. And as soon as she can see me um, walking on in, carrying my bags, the girls are there with her, and, and she points me out, and then they see me, and they just run through those doors. And they just keep on running. And they're like giggling and laughing and excited and just forget everything else around them uh, running to me. Um, and I kind of run to them and, and just be able to take both of them up in my arms. Um, and it's great. Like I love reliving that moment. I can just sit there and think about it for a while. Uh, getting to hold Alice and Daphne and just seeing their, seeing their joy in that. Now, well, listen, they could... Yeah, they could be different. They could be like worried. You know, they're starting to run like this. They could be worried about what are other people thinking. 
Sure, they are just, just running through the airport. They're running past other people. You know, like how to, that could look kind of strange. They could, be, they could be worried about those things, but they're not. And their childishness, they're just coming straight to me. They could be, they could be worried about, what, I haven't seen my daddy. What if, he's, what if he's disappointed in me? What if he doesn't want to wrap me up in a big hug? What if he just kind of keeps walking and pats me on the head? But they don't. Um, they're running to me with all the expectation and the joy of being loved. I get to take them in my, in my arms and, and nothing beats that. So I, I just want to encourage you that you don't need to be naive to be childish. Um, and that, um, that it doesn't need to end in disappointment. And that Jesus is saying when we come to God as our Father through Him, it's neither naive nor does it end in disappointment, but ends in the fullness of love. Jesus invites us, he invites you, he directs you, he challenges you to childlike prayer uh, that doesn't end in disappointment, but the fullness of love. As we come to God as our Father, I want to say the result is always uh, beyond our expectations. We'll go through three different things uh, kind of through, from, the, from this verse to hopefully bring out the truth of it more. And the, and the first of it is to say that as, our, as, as coming to God as our Father in heaven is that he's a father that's beyond earthly fathers. You can look at it in different ways. You can look at it and be like, sorry, it's our Father who's in heaven. And, and some people will look at that and be like, okay, that means that it's the God who's not present, um, who's, who's at a distance uh, from us somehow because he's in heaven or he's not real. And the, the right interpretation is, is contrary to that. Um, the, the heavenly, the way scripture talks about things, it's not the earthly that's real and the heavenly that's just kind of big, ethereal, spiritual thing, but, but oftentimes uh, in scripture, the, the heavenly is the, is the reality through which, uh, through which other things are designed after. Right? So it talks about the heavenly tent or the tabernacle, the place where God lives. And, and when the Israelites designed the tabernacle, it was after the pattern that God had shown to Moses, after the real thing. Um, same thing when it comes here. As our heavenly Father, He's the real Father, and earthly things are the are the copy of it. Uh, he is uh, constantly present with us as God. So it's yeah. You know, I think we, we kind of use our associations with our earthly fathers for for God, and that, that makes sense. But I just want to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Um, it's not that we. It's not that your earthly dad is what a father is, and so God's kind of sort of like that. Um, it's that God is the perfect father. He's true father. He's the reality of what fatherhood is and what, what fatherliness is. Um, and an earthly, physical dad's role is to reflect that. To reflect that nature of who God is uh, to the children. And God's the true father, uh, what, a, what a dad is. But I think it's interesting that Jesus begins our father. Right? I don't know how, how your household particularly worked, but, uh, but in my household, if you, if you needed something, you could, you could always go to Dad. If you're smart and you knew the way that the house worked, you know, it, always, it might work out better for you if you went to Mom first, right? Um, that uh, just always seemed to work out better that way. Dad was, I love my dad, he's, he's great, but he's much more of a hardliner. Um, you're not just going to be able to persuade my dad or kind of, or kind of push him into anything. Uh, he's, he's a wall. He's immovable, right? Um, but if you go talk, to, go talk to mom, you can persuade her. You can talk about it. You can kind of keep working on her and 
and, and keep talking about all these things. Um, even, even sometimes if you, if you need dad to be doing something for you, Smart thing is the first to talk to mom about it, get her on your side, uh, get her to be talking to dad and, and get these things worked out, right? Um, maybe that's, that's how my household works. Maybe it's not uh, for years. But, um, uh, but I think it's interesting that Jesus begins this way, our Father. Jesus shows us that you can come straight to the top, if you will, um, to ask our Father. And you can ask, you can ask God as your Father not being, not being afraid that he's too busy. He's just got a lot of other important things going on, and it's, this is not the time for you to bother. Um, that's not what we need to worry about. We can ask our Father, not worrying that we're just going to uh, find out other things that He's upset with us about. Other ways that you've let Him down, and you should begin to have that conversation, and these things uh, come out. Um, even not expecting that, that He might not have, you know, having that worry that He might not have the deep, uh, compassionate, open, attentive love uh, for our every need that we're, that we're longing for. We get to go straight uh, to God as our Father, trusting Him in those things. The point is, the Heavenly Father that Jesus is calling us and inviting us to pray to is, is uh, beyond your earthly Father. Actually, I think this is one of the reasons why, um, uh, why people have so many issues with their dad. I think everyone has, like, some kind of issues with their, with their dad. You may have a, you may have a great, attentive, uh, loving father all through your life, and then without a dad, um, you may, have, um, you may have, a, have had a very lousy, uh, neglecting, uh, even abusive, sorry excuse for a father. Um, but, but no, whatever your situation, you, you've got some issues with your dad or your dad or other kind of father uh, figures in your life. Um, and I think this is why the command... Right, from Scripture, honor your father and your mother. I think this is why this is so difficult. I say that, like, Scripture commands kind of focus on things that are hard for us to do and, and that we need to do, but also that are, that are best for us to do. Um, we're not just told to honor your father and your mother because that's our natural propensity, but because, we, uh, because it's difficult for us. Uh, and it's difficult because, as a son or a daughter, you live with them, which means you get to see all of their lives. Uh, which means you get to see all their mistakes and you experience the consequences of their behavior, uh, for better and especially uh, for worse. So if, so if anyone knows what's not honorable about your parents or knows what's not honorable about your father, you do. Um, so it's particularly difficult. But it's also difficult because you're not just comparing them to other dads. not like, my dad's like this, and I wonder how everyone else's uh, dad goes, and they do some of that. But if we're honest, like we have very high expectations for, for our fathers. I have very high expectations for, for how they should treat us, for what our relationship uh, should be like. Uh, because the real is the heavenly. The real is who, who God is, and we're, we're looking for all of that, and they're to be reflecting it. We have those high expectations, and that's why it hurts so much when your dad lets you down. When he doesn't show the love that you were looking for or that you need. Earthly fathers are to be examples or reflections of the true heavenly father. Um, and all of them, myself included, uh, fall way short. But God is uh, what, we, what we long for in the father. The good news is that Jesus says in prayer, you're not just coming to the, the incomplete reflection of real fatherhood. You're not just coming to, to your father or somebody else's father who is even maybe better than yours or really great. 
Um, but you're coming to the complete, uh, the perfect, the true Father. A Father uh, in Heaven. Father in Heaven is perfect beyond all fathers. And we can come to Him uh, with, the expectation, with the confident, childish expectation of complete love and approval and compassion and, com- and care and that He can provide for our needs, that we can trust Him. To Jesus saying that we, can, we come to in prayer, to we begin to address um, way beyond our earthly fathers, our heavenly father. But he's speaking about this as a relationship, and the question is still, well, how do we have this relationship? Um, this our father through Jesus. Um, this is our second point. Our first point, our father in heaven is beyond the earthly. second point, that, that he's our father through Jesus that we come to him, and it's a relationship beyond what we deserve. Uh, sometimes we'll, people will speak of just kind of everyone generally as God's children, right? We're, we're all God's children, these different things. And, and occasionally scripture will speak of God uh, as a father that way, as father of all the families of the earth. Uh, in one place in scripture, Ephesians, it says. Um, but, but usually in scripture, when it's talking about God as a father, it's talking about something, something different, talking about a special relationship. Talking about a unique, uh, intimate relationship that we have with God, especially that we have uh, with God as His people, and primarily the relationship of intimacy that we have with God as our Father through Jesus, because Jesus is God's Son. And when, when Jesus is our Savior and as He's God's Son, then in Him, we're sons of God too. We're united to Him and He's God's Son, so we get to share in that sonship. We get to share in that privilege of having God as our Father. And that's beyond what we deserve. Right, have you ever been, uh, ever been kind of afraid of going to your father different times? Uh, especially when, like, curfew was already passed, an hour by the time you looked at your watch and realized you needed to come home. Um, you're like, hmm, so what am I going to do now, right? How am I, how am I going to work, uh, work out of this one? Uh, especially afraid when we've, when we've done something wrong. Um, I remember one time just the... Thing. We used to go uh, duck hunting, and I just started being able to go duck hunting with my older brothers um, and, uh, and with my dad. I was trying to learn how to do this duck call, so I'd, I'd gone, I'd found the hunting stuff, and I'd taken one of the duck calls, and I used to like to hang out in the attic in my house, because I was a weird little kid, and I to go in my own little place. So I was up there in the attic with this duck call, and I was like, ah, ah, you know, trying, to, trying to get the right sounds out of it, because they were good at it, I didn't know what I was doing. And then duck, duck call comes apart, and I was playing, and I tried to put it back together, and the little, like, flap was out, and I put it back together, and it bent the flap, right? And I was like, oh, no. Oh, and I tried to straighten it back out and put it back in there, and I like, <laughs> like, there was no duck kind of sound coming out from this at all. And to me, this was the, the best duck call of all the different duck calls. Um, and I remember, like, I was freaked out, um, uh, I, 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 like, at some point, maybe I told mom, and, I mean, I was bawling. I was bawling. I was like, I don't want to have to go to dances, right? Like, what, what am I going to do? How do I get my way out of this? I felt like I'd, I'd done something wrong, didn't know what to, what to expect as, as coming. Um, uh, we've, uh, we have that, that fear of, of going to our fathers, especially, especially when we feel like we're, we're in trouble, right? It's, I mean, it's one thing to get in trouble at school, which is another thing to, to maybe get spanked by your mom, but, but 
but many children, along with me, have said, said those important few words. Please don't tell dad, right? <laughs> Please, whatever. <laughs> don't don't tell dad. Um, one, we don't want we don't want dad to be disappointed in us. Uh, there's a special way that it hurts uh, when you know that your father is disappointed with us. Uh, my uh, my dad's dad, my my grandfather. Um, he he never spanked his kids, uh, but, but they say what he did was to them worse than any spanking. Because apparently he had this way where he could raise one eyebrow and lower the other and and look at them and they they wish that he would spank them instead of that. They could they could feel his disappointment. They could feel that he knew that they'd done wrong. No punishment to them. Um, with others of us, of us, we would have loved for our dad just to give us the evil eye, but instead we knew the, we knew the hard spanking uh, was coming. Um, there were was, was times when we uh, lived in Alabama, I remember we had a, there was a bush that grew out to the side of the, side of the house, and if you, were, if you were in trouble, you had, to, you had to go out to the bush and pick a switch that you were going to be spanked with. Um, don't worry, my parents did not abuse me. I think more the torture of it was like going out there and trying to find one that was really smooth and like that wouldn't hurt um, and then any of these things. But we have a fear of the punishment uh, of what's, what's going to happen, of what to do. Um, so if, if we've got some of those kind of things when it comes to our earthly fathers, how's that work beginning to come to our heavenly fathers? Um, being able to, to pray uh, to him because I don't think we can hide anything from him, right? No, I tell someone else, don't don't tell don't tell God, okay? Um, he he already knows, right? The psalmist says, "Where can I flee from your presence?" He even goes so far as to say, "If I make my bed in Sheol, on a place of death or hell, you're there. Um, no way to get away from it." Um, God, Father, knows every mistake that you've ever made. Um, intentionally, unintentionally. Um, he's aware of your sins. That you think you can hide from everyone else. Try desperately to hide uh, from everyone else. Is he aware of the things that you've lied to yourself about enough that you, that you think you're all right with? Um, he can even tell your selfish motive for the so-called good things that you're, that you're doing. And trying to impress other people with doing. So, so if that's true, what, what does it mean as far as our Heavenly Father being disappointed with us? Or what does it mean for, for punishment uh, for us, or, or anger? Uh, the phrase that the Scripture uses is to say the wages of sin is death. Or, or what sin deserves, what sin earns, what what offending God and doing what he said not to do or not doing what he said to do uh, earns is death. Separation from God, even meaning as far as hell. I've got to say, on our own, not, not exactly a good relationship uh, here to be able to come before God. And it's important that we come uh, to God as our Father uh, through Jesus. Because it's out of Love that God sent Jesus as our substitute. It's, it's God's love for the world, even if in its sin and in its rebelliousness, that God sent Jesus as our substitute. And Jesus experienced the wages of sin and uh, death. He experienced the wages of our sin and uh, death on the cross. 
And when he calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because God's turned his face from Jesus the way that we're afraid that God's going to reject us. Because we know that's what we deserve. That Jesus was our substitute. Jesus is the one that called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Because he's not going to forsake us through Jesus. Um, The disappointment and the punishment that we deserve, Jesus took. And Jesus took it all for us and him. So that coming in Christ, there's there's no disappointment left for God to have. It's all been dealt with. There's no punishment that still needs to be, uh, that still needs to be meted out. Uh, Jesus has already taken it. No more remains for those in him. Where's Jesus now? Raised from the dead, Scripture says, seated at the right hand of God, crowned uh, with glory and honor, supremely with the title God's Son. He's been exalted, adopted into, uh, uh, brought into God's family. And through Christ, we get to share in that sonship with him. We get to be adopted into that family. And as we're trusting in Christ, we're united to him. And so as, as Jesus is God's son, we share in that relationship. We share in God as our loving father who has no disappointment but pride in us. Uh, who has no disapproval but love uh, for us. Uh, Romans 8 talks about it this way, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and as children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, it says. With God, coming to God as our Father um, through, uh, through Jesus, we get beyond what we deserve. Uh, we get beyond what we deserve. We get to experience God as our Father, not, not as a disappointed Father, not as a punishing Father, but a, but a Father who's approvingly proud of us, clothed in Christ's righteousness, he said, he sees us. Uh, not punishing or condemning any longer, but lovingly delighting in us. Um, rejoicing over us. Father who listens to us as we speak to us because he delights to hear his children, um, provides what we need. We get beyond what we deserve uh, and even, even beyond the privileges uh, that we can imagine. Our third point then we come to um, that as our Father, coming to God as our Father for, for us as his children uh, is beyond, beyond privilege. God's not merely father kind of generally, but he's father specifically for his children. There's a lot of other cute kids that I see and like friends' kids, and I care for them if they're over playing with our kids. I want to treat them well. Um, I love my kids. And I'm looking for things that I can do uh, for my kids to take care of my kids. Half the reason that things that I do, things that I do is... Is for my children. God is not merely a father generally, but specifically for his children, ready, willing, desiring to take care of them, loving them, watching them, paying attention uh, to them, listening, loving, attentive, uh, powerful as a good father. And it's because of this that Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, Father who loves and cares for us. He can speak and know that he listens because we have this type of perfect uh, Heavenly Father. We can ask and know that He provides because we have a, 
a reconciled and restored relationship of love. So what do you think our Heavenly Father is maybe able to, to do for us? Right? How does, how does this work out? I mean, if, you're, if your dad's poor, there's still things, a lot of things that your dad is, is able to do for you. And if your dad's rich, there's, there's even other types of things, even more things that they can, they can do for you. And if your father's the creator and owner and ruler of the universe, and a lot that he can do for you to take care of you. He can do anything for you. And since he loves you like Jesus, he'll do everything for you that you need. This is who God is, is our Father, and how Jesus calls us to come to him. There's some children whose parents are so rich and wealthy and have enough stuff that they're just referred to as, as privileged children, right? Uh, they, they grew up as, as privileged children. Maybe some of you, maybe you just look at those people. There's no need for them to be uh, denied uh, uh, anything. Uh, best toys growing up, uh, best schools, like the best, the elite, expensive kindergarten and elementary school, and, you know, all these different things. Um, new car, you travel to Europe, whatever different things, right? There was no expense needed to be spared. They were privileged children. They don't need to work their way through college. They're not looking for a job or worrying about loans. Um, they probably aren't too concerned about how everything goes in their classes because they already have the connections for a good job after they graduate and... I mean, even if that doesn't work out, the trust fund's sitting there. You know, once you turn whatever age, all that money's going to be in your account to, to do uh, what you want with it. So this is privileged. Uh, it's a privilege because of their father's wealth. All right. If, if our father in heaven, if, if God is our father in heaven, um, then we're beyond privileged. All right, privilege doesn't really cut it. That's not really getting at what we're, what we're talking about. Now, all right, there's sometimes, right, that you, maybe that you envy those trust fund kids, and then maybe there's other times that you're like, not really. Um, uh, but it'd be awesome to have all those privileges and stuff, the resources, the opportunity, uh, but too often they also kind of character lack somehow. They're, they're spoiled brats or something. They lack a lot of character. Well, well God is our Father is also wise enough uh, to, to know what we need. Not just what we ask, but what's, what's best for us. Uh, and wise enough to provide all that we need beyond privilege and yet to still train us in good character. Um, there's nothing that he's not able to give. We trust he's wise enough to know what to do when we, uh, to, to give what when. Um, and this is particularly in regard to prayer, right? And to, to how we can come before God and what we ask for. And we recognize that, that he knows. Um, our privileges is much more than merely the good stuff in life, uh, right? The, the, a good job, resources, um, for the cell phone watch, you know, or whatever different, different thing you'd, you'd love to have. Um, our, our privilege is the privilege of speaking with him, being known by him, of getting to experience his love, of coming before him knowing you're guilty, Knowing that he knows the things that he's done. And yet being approved of. Uh, being declared righteous because of Jesus. Um, deserving nothing and yet being given everything uh, by privilege. Uh, the privilege of Christ, uh, Christ's spirit empowering us, teaching us, uh, preserving us. The privilege of, of eternal hope uh, and confidence that doesn't, doesn't disappoint. Um, also heard some people kind of just debate addressing uh, addressing God as Father. If we're, if we're addressing Him as Father, does that mean 
Does that mean like intimate closeness or does that mean a respectful distance? Some people said, okay, it's, it's all the intimacy of just being able to call uh, God daddy. It's that you know, personal relation. It's true. Or other people say, all right, well, we've got to be careful with that as well because it's, it's also a, 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 an address of reverence. Um, especially if you look at the way an ancient Near Eastern fathers were, were thought of and spoken to by the children, there's a, there's a deep uh, respect for who they are. I, I want to stress the privilege speaking uh, to our Father in Heaven in prayer. Because what if, you're, what if your father was the, was the president, right? What if your father was the, uh, was the president? You'd have, you'd have lots of privilege, right? Lots of, lots of opportunity, lots of resources, lots and lots of connections, lots of people that would love to uh, talk to you or interview you for this. You'd be one of the few people that could speak to the president directly, though, right? Like, not everyone can just, like, dial up Obama, right? Or, or send, him, send him text throughout the day. I don't know if his, you know, if his daughters do this. But I'm assuming they've got, like, a, they can talk to their dad because he's their dad. Um, if your dad's the president, though he's got this great position in office, he's still your dad, and you get to, you get to speak to him. A lot of respect for his position, trust him. Um, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but like nothing compared to being the son or daughter of creator and owner and ruler of everything, uh, which is who God is for us in Christ. Um, then the gospel, what we see is that intimacy and respect uh, come together, right? We tend to think that one kind of has to overshadow the others, that either uh, because of respect for God we need to distance ourselves from him or speak in very you know, formal tones or the other side is but, you know, but because we're so intimate it doesn't really matter how we talk to him, just in whatever language is coming to mind. Uh, and the gospel brings both uh, together. God, who's, who's great and beyond us, what does he do? Just kind of stays at a distance and says, you better respect me and love me. Uh, God and, and his holiness and separateness and transcendent greatness comes to be with us. Closeness, close to us in intimacy. All right? Uh, Jesus, who, who is God, comes in the flesh to dwell with us. Um, Jesus sends his spirit, who is God, to dwell in us, uh, to enliven us uh, for him. Um, the, the, the transcendence and the, and, the, and, the, and the closeness, the intimacy and the respect come together uh, in the gospel, all through Jesus' blood and righteousness. Um, listen, that's beyond privilege. That's privilege beyond all our privileges. God delights to hear our prayer and take care of us. So I want to challenge you the childlike prayer, or, or more, I want you to hear Jesus' challenge or invitation to you to, to, to childlike prayer. Because you may still have the, the doubts, the worries. Am I just being naive? Am I just hoping that this will work out and really, really I'm lying to myself? Or really, this is going to end in disappointment? You still have the same doubts and fears, and I would encourage you to come with those doubts and fears. Express those to him. Uh, if he's your father, he knows that already. He's not scared by you saying it. Uh, if he's your father, he's, he's looking, to, uh, looking to, to assure you of those, looking to show you his love. Come to him through Jesus. Uh, you may still have the fear that God isn't good. Um, listen, it's, it's not your earthly father that gives the character of who he is. He's what an earthly father should be. A perfectly powerful and still good. 
excuse me. Been having that congestion for a little while. Um, you may still have the fear that uh, that, that God won't love you. Um, right, it's in love already in our sinfulness that He sent Jesus so that we don't get what we deserve. So we get His love instead with all His compassion. You know, the fear that, that God won't listen to you talking. What's your opinion worth on these things anyway? That you may have the fear that God won't care what you're saying. Uh, you're beyond a privilege to have perfect intimacy with the most supreme being in, uh, in the universe, the creator of everything. Have the privilege of being His child. Uh, that He delights in more than I delight to hear Daphne and Alice talking to me. Uh, fears don't always end in disappointment. Uh, take the step of trust to, to speak to God honestly with your fears. Uh, take the step to speak to God more often. Take the, the risk of, of childlike prayer to, to call on your daddy, uh, to ask him to hear you. With our Father in heaven through Jesus, it doesn't end in disappointment, but with being, receiving, being received into his arms of love. Romans 5 puts it this way. I'll close with this. It says that through Jesus we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we, which we stand, an undeserved blessing from God that we stand in, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's just the point we're looking at more. More than that, he says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character pr- produces hope. And that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us.